Thank you, Brother Ryan, for doing a wonderful job leading us in our singing. Get your Bibles out again, please, and make your way over to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians, the fifth chapter. And I want to read starting with verse number 22. Galatians 5 and in verse number 22. The Bible says, with the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You and, I, you and I both know that if we wanted to, we could do uh, eight or nine lesson sermon series just on those two verses right there, right? You and I both know that if we wanted to, we could spend two months just breaking down what the Bible says about each one of those fruits of the Spirit, but we're not going to do that for now. Instead, we're going to focus just on one of them. We're going to focus on peace. You see the word peace there? Let me ask you something. When you see the word peace, in Galatians 5 and verse 22, what immediately pops into your mind? What do you immediately think about first? Do you immediately think about spiritual peace? Do you immediately think about the peace that we can have because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? Do you immediately think about peace in the church? Do you immediately think about peace that should exist between brothers and sisters in Christ? What about this? What about, what about financial peace? Well, what about the peace that a person can have because they're doing right with their money? Do you think that God wants his people to also have that kind of peace? You better believe he does. You better believe he does. You better believe that God and his holy and infallible word has a lot to say about money and financial peace. You better believe that the Bible has a lot to say about debt. And the strains of bad money management. In fact, there are a few subjects in the Bible that are more biblical and practical than those. For example, there are more than 2,000 verses in the Bible they deal with the issues of money and possessions and how to properly handle those things to some degree. This is something that you should have noticed if you've been doing your Bible reading this year. If you've been keeping up with your Bible reading through the wisdom literature, then you know that the book of Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes all provide numerous, numerous nuggets of truth about money and the proper, proper handling of money on nearly every single page. And let's not forget to mention the teachings of Jesus. Let's not fail to point out how out of the roughly 38 parables that were taught by Jesus, at least 16 of them deal with the issues of money and possessions in some way. Jesus also constantly exposed the greediness and the love of money found in men like the scribes and the Pharisees and the rich young ruler. And let's also not fail to point out how in the Bible, 
The Holy Spirit tells us about the financial prosperity of people like Abraham and Jacob and David and Solomon and Job and Lydia and Joseph of Arimathea and so many other people. The Bible, the Bible has a lot to say about this issue. The Bible has a lot to say about money and how to handle it in such a way that pleases and glorifies God. And yet, for some reason, as God's people today, we rarely talk about it. We rarely study it. We rarely dig deep into considering what the Bible has to say about this issue. Now, we don't mind talking about how our government handles money, right? We don't mind talking about in our little small groups about how if our government's not careful with all their spending, with all their trillions of dollars of debt that they accumulate, if they're not careful, they're going to bring about crazy inflation and they may collapse our economy. Oh, we'll talk about our government, our government and money all day long. We'll talk about that till the cows come home. While at the same time, we fail to realize that God has a lot more to say about our money in his word. God doesn't have a whole lot to say about government money, but he does have a lot to say about your money. And he has a lot to say about my money. He has a lot to say about how we are to handle money and debt in the Bible. And so, about how, and so how about we talk about that? Let's stop talking about government spending and government money. Let's talk about our money. Let's talk about debt. Let's talk about how the Bible says that bad money management and debt can be tools that, the, that Satan uses to rob us of the peace that God wants us to have in our lives. Let's talk about debt. The thief of peace. And let's just begin by first pointing out the problems. Let's talk about the problems. If you don't mind, allow me a moment or two to talk with you about the problem of debt and the numerous ways that financial debt can negatively impact our lives. For example, if we're not careful, financial debt can negatively impact us spiritually. It can negatively impact us spiritually. Now don't misunderstand what I mean when I say that financial debt can negatively impact us spiritually. When I say that financial debt can negatively impact us spiritually, I do not mean that it is a sin to take on debt. I do not mean that it is a sin to take on debt. In fact, I don't care who you are this morning. I don't care if your house is paid off. I don't care if you have, if you have all your cars paid off. I don't care if you don't owe any money to Visa, MasterCard, or Discover. Guess what? You still have some debt. Oh, yes, you still got financial debt in your life. That's exactly what your light bill is. That's exactly what your water bill is. That's exactly what your gas bill is. All of those bills are statements of debt. All of those bills are statements that reveal an amount of money or an amount of a resource that you've used. And now you owe some money. Now you owe the city. If you don't pay your debt, if you don't pay that light bill, that water bill, or that gas bill, guess what they do? They turn that stuff off. They turn your light bill off. They turn your lights off. They turn your water off. They turn their, your gas off. I don't care who we are this morning. We all got debts. We all got debts that we accumulate every single month. And again, there's no sin in having debts. The sin comes 
when we fail to pay our debts. Let me give you some Bible. Psalm 37, verse 21 says, the wicked borrows and does not do what? He doesn't pay back. But the righteous is gracious and he gives. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 5, it is better that you should not vow than you should vow or make a promise and not pay. Go in your Bible. You want some New Testament? I'll give you some New Testament. Look at Romans. Romans chapter 13, please. In the very practical section of Romans, as Paul talks about how we should respond to the great sacrifice of Jesus Christ, how we should live a transformed life. In Romans, the 13th chapter and in verse number seven, the apostle Paul says, render to all what is due them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor, owe nothing to, to anyone, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Now, what is Paul saying there in those verses? In those verses, is Paul saying that it is wrong, that it is a sin for Christians to take on debts? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That is not what Paul is saying there in those verses. Paul is not saying that it is a sin for Christians to take on debts. Instead, what Paul is saying there is Christians or God's people should pay their debts. They should strive to pay all their debts. They should strive to pay their tax debts and their mortgage debts and their utility debts and their credit card debts and their student loan debts and any debts they take on in their lives. A failure to pay debts or to seek to pay debts is a failure to honor commitments. It is a failure to honor promises. It is a failure to be honest and ethical. Now, this is something, this is something that we understand when it comes to marriage and divorce, don't we? Oh, oh yes, we understand this when it comes to marriage and divorce. As members of the conservative Church of Christ, we're usually the first ones to point out how if a person gets a divorce for a reason other than adultery, then they have broken the marriage commitment, right? They've broken the marriage covenants. They've broken some vows or some promises that they've made to their spouse and to God on the day they got married. As members of the conservative Church of Christ, we're usually the first ones to champion what the Bible says about that. And if we'll champion what the Bible says about that, then guess what? We should champion what the Bible says about this. Because it's the same principle. We should understand the seriousness of this. We should understand that when we fail to seek to pay our debts, we are failing to honor commitments. We are failing to honor promises. We're failing to honor an agreement that we've made. Practically speaking, that means that when we go to that restaurant today and we eat our lunch and we pay for, pay for it with a credit card and they bring that credit card receipt out to us and we sign that credit card receipt, you know what we're doing? Making a commitment. Making a promise, I'm going to pay this back, I'm going to pay this back to Chili's or whatever restaurant I go to today. For you young people, when you take those student loans out one day, when you sign the agreement for that student loan, you know what you're doing? Making a commitment. Making a promise, I'm going to pay this loan back. When we get that bank loan for that mortgage or that car, we sign that bank loan, you know what we're doing? Making a promise. Making a commitment. I'm going to pay this money back. 
Taking on debts requires promises. It requires commitments and a failure to honor promises and commitments. Well, the Bible calls that a sin. The Bible says that is wrong. The Bible says that that is a failure or a violation of the standard, the moral standard that Jesus has given. If we're not careful, debts can impact us spiritually. And not only can debts impact us spiritually, but they can also lead to enslavement. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7, great verse. Love this verse. It says the rich rules over the poor. And the borrower becomes what? The lender's slave. What is the Bible saying here? Well, the Bible is saying that debt, if we're not careful, can devastate and destroy our lives. It can devastate and destroy our families because we're absolutely obligated by God to pay back our creditors. Do you know what that means? That means that every single day when we go to work on that job, there's a huge sense in which we're working for the creditors. We're going to work every day for these creditors. Why? Well, because they get a cut of our money. They're getting a cut of our paycheck. Now, that may not be too oppressive if we have a reasonable mortgage and a reasonable car payment, but let's just keep on stacking these debts on top of each other. Let's put another debt on there and another debt and another debt and another debt on top of that. Well, the next thing you know, now you're feeling this verse right here. Now you feel in Proverbs 22 and verse 7, now you are feeling the power of enslavement. Debt can lead to enslavement and debt can affect our bodies. Debt can affect us physically and it can affect us mentally. It can rob us of the good health we need to be with our families. It can cause us to be stressed and worried to the point to where we don't want to eat. We don't want to sleep. For men, debt can make them feel like failures. For women, it can bring about feelings of insecurity. For children, it can bring about all kinds of stress in their lives because they got to watch their parents argue all the time about money. Debt can also hurt our focus in worship. Maybe it's doing that for you today. Can't concentrate during the singing. Can't concentrate during the Lord's Supper. Can't listen to the sermon because I'm thinking about my debts. It can affect our ability to give attention to spiritual things. It can put us in a bad mood all the time. It can give us a short temper. It can make us treat the people we love in a very bad way. It can affect our bodies. And let's just say it can affect our marriages. It can lead to constant arguments and disagreements in our marriages. It can lead to stress in our marriages. It can lead to feelings of insecurity. For a lot of couples, financial strains leads, often leads to divorce. You know, as I was preparing for this sermon this past week, I was amazed in my research to learn how in addition to things like infidelity and abuse, Money issues is also a leading contributor to many of the divorces that take place in this country. Debt can affect our marriages. And debt can affect our morals. You know, one of the things I've seen as a preacher, and I especially saw it when the market collapsed back in 08, is unfortunately for some Christians, whenever they begin drowning in debt, you know what happens? 
it becomes easier for them to compromise their morals. It becomes easier for them to rationalize unethical behavior. It becomes easier to lie on their taxes or lie on an insurance claim or not make an effort to pay back a creditor. Solomon talks about this kind of person in Proverbs 28 and verse 6 when he says, better is the poor who walks in his integrity than he who is crooked though he's rich. This is a verse that we really need to take to heart. This is a verse we need to strive to live by every single day. No matter what situation we find ourselves in, God expects us to always walk in integrity. God always expects us to live with integrity. We got to always live the principles of God no matter what happens to us in our lives. Debt can affect our morality. And debt can also affect our influence, our influence with the world. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 16? Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and want to glorify your Father who's in heaven. Question, if I'm living a life to where I'm in over my head financially and I'm constantly ducking and dodging from the bill collectors and I'm lying about stuff and I'm, re and I'm refusing to pay my bills and honor my commitments, does living a lifestyle like that help me do what Jesus says in that verse? Does it help me shine my light? Does it help me lead other people to wanting to glorify God? You and I both know that that kind of lifestyle doesn't help me do what that verse says. It doesn't help me shine my light for Jesus. Instead, what it does is it actually separates me from Jesus. It actually fails Jesus. It actually contributes to bringing shame to the cause of Jesus. If I'm not careful, debt can affect my influence. And you know what else it can do? It can affect my ability to be generous. Would you agree that Christians are supposed to be generous? Oh, we're supposed to be generous. We're supposed to be generous in our giving to God, right? Look over in your Bible. 2 Corinthians, you know the verses, but let's read them. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and in verse number 6, Paul says, now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Notice how God has high expectations for our giving. He has high expectations for the giving we do on the first day of the week. He not only wants it to be cheerful and with the right attitude, but he wants it to be generous. He wants it to be sacrificial and with the right attitude. I can't do what these verses say. If I'm drowning in all kinds of debt and then go to what Paul says in Galatians chapter six. I'm going to Galatians six and verse 10. And what does Paul say there? Galatians six and 10. So then while we have opportunity. Let us do good to all people, all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Notice how with my resources, I'm supposed to help people. I'm supposed to help people who are Christians and who are non-Christians. I can't do what this verse says often in my life if I'm drowning in all kind of financial debt. If I'm a bad steward of my blessings, I can't do what these verses say. You know, it reminds me of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? 
Remember you had this Jewish man who was traveling on the road to Jericho and, and along the way he was beaten and he was robbed and he was left to die and there were some Jewish men who saw him and they passed by the other side. They didn't try to help that man but a Samaritan, and we talked about this this morning, didn't we, about Samaritans and Jews? Well, Jesus gives a radical story here. He tells us about a Samaritan man who sees this Jewish man beaten and robbed and left to die. And the scripture says he didn't pass by that man. He helped that man. He bandaged up his wounds. He put him on his beast. He took him to a local inn. And look at what Jesus says in the verse. In Luke 10 and verse 35, the Bible says on the next day, he, the Samaritan, took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Question, do you think this quote unquote good Samaritan would have been able to do what this verse says is he, if he was a poor steward of his blessings? Do you think that this man here, this Samaritan man, would have been able to make this kind of financial commitment for a stranger in a time of need if he was the kind of man who was drowning in debt. You know that this Samaritan man would not have been able to make this kind of commitment for a stranger if he was a poor steward of his blessings and neither will we. We won't be able to go and do like this man if we're irresponsible with the blessings God gives us. We can't do what Jesus says here if we're not responsible with our blessings. Debt can affect our ability to help people and support the Lord's work. And let's just add this. Debt can be a sign of greed. It can be a sign of greed. It can be a sign that we're so driven by a materialistic spirit that we are willing to buy things that we know we can't afford ahead of time and refuse to think about the consequences. Jesus talks about that in Luke 12 and verse 15, where Jesus says, beware and be on guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. I'm trying to make a case right now. I'm trying to show you that the Bible has a lot to say about this. I'm trying to show you that the Bible has a lot to say about the problem of debt and getting in over our heads financially. In fact, not only does the Bible have a lot to say about the problem of debt, it also has a lot to say about the causes of it. It also tells us exactly how a person, a Christian even, can be put in a position where he or she is robbed of the kind of peace that God wants them to have in their lives. For example, one of the causes of Financial debt in a lot of people's lives is just bad stewardship. Bad stewardship. You don't need to have a lot of money to be a bad steward of your blessings. In 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2, Paul says, in this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that won't be found trustworthy. Listen very carefully to me right now. Listen carefully, please. While there are certainly times in our lives when financial hardships come upon us that are beyond our control, I want to be clear when I say that. While there are times when financial hardships come upon people that are beyond their control, so often people find themselves in over their head financially because they're not doing what this verse says. 
They're not being good stewards of their blessings. They're failing to do things like keep track of how much money they make and how much, how much money they're spending. They fail to live within their means. They fail to give proper attention to their resources. Go on your Bible to Proverbs chapter 27, please. Go on your Bible to Proverbs chapter 27 and look at verse number 23. In Proverbs chapter 27, Solomon, a man who had a little bit of money, he says this about the issue in Proverbs 27 and verse number 23. He says, know well the condition of your flocks. Now, we don't have flocks. So we don't judge riches by that today, but we do have prosperity. That's the idea. Know well the condition of your flocks and pay attention to your herds. For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. What is Solomon saying there? Well, through Solomon, the prophet, God is saying he is laying down a very important principle that we need to consider when it comes to our resources. And it doesn't matter if we have a lot of resources or if we have a little resources, whether we are rich or whether we are poor, whether we have a lot or whether we have a little. God says we need to know what's going on. God says we need to know what's going on with our finances. We need to be responsible with our blessings by knowing what's going in and what's coming out. A failure to do so is bad stewardship. It's bad stewardship because it's a lack of discipline. It's a lack of discipline. You know, a lot of people in this country, as I speak to you, are in a lot of trouble financially right now, even a lot of Christians, because you know what they did? They lacked discipline during the holiday season. They lacked discipline during the holiday season. They bought all kinds of things that they really couldn't afford, and now they're struggling to figure out how they're going to pay back Visa and MasterCard and American Express and Discover. I got a friend, a close friend in Middle Tennessee who works for the IRS, and he's told me several times that this time of the year, January, is the busiest time of the year for him every single year. It is the busiest time for him every single year because he has to deal with thousands and thousands and thousands of people around this country who file for bankruptcy because of the debt they have accumulated just during the holiday season. That's how a lot of people live their lives. They swipe that plastic like it's free money. Many are impulse buyers. Many people sign up for things ahead of time that they know they can't afford. They'll go into Best Buy or Walmart for a controller for their PS4 and come out with a brand new 80-inch flat screen television. They'll come out with an $800 iPad all of a sudden. Before heading to the counter with that kind of stuff, they never once ask themselves, can I really afford this? Do I really need this? Will buying this put a strain on my family? Will my wife have me sleep on the couch for the next few months because I bought something that we really can't afford? The impulse buyer doesn't think that kind of stuff. You know what the impulse buyer does? He just goes in the store or she just goes in the store and they just buy what they want. They see it and they buy it. And then they're shocked when that kind of lifestyle in due time robs them of having financial peace. Solomon talks about that person. In Proverbs 21, verse 5, he says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who's hasty, the impulse buyer, 
what happens? It comes surely to poverty. You see, sometimes people have debt because they lack discipline. And maybe we can just say that sometimes people fall into this trap because they're just unwise. They're not very wise, not very good with money, not wise with money, not wise with finances. They'll do things like co-sign for someone and get stuck with the debt after a person can't pay. Solomon talks about that person in Proverbs 11 and verse 15. I love you, I'll do anything for you, but one thing I won't do for you, my friends, I won't co-sign for you on anything. Don't ever come to me for that. Not going to co-sign for you. Some people co-sign. Some people struggle with credit cards. You know, the average American household actually carries between six dollars and $8,000 of credit card debt. The average American family. One study I read said that people who use credit cards for fast food purchases are more likely to spend 15% more than if they had used cash. Why is that the case? Well, because when you use your credit card at McDonald's or Burger King or Sonic, it's easy to lose track of how much you're spending. So that happens to a lot of people. A lot of people are unwise with credit cards. And a lot of people are unwise because they just don't save. They don't think long term. They'll spend right up to their limit, and they'll have nothing left for emergencies. Solomon talks about that person. In Proverbs 22, verse 3, the prudent sees the evil and hides himself. But the naive go on, and they're punished for it. Bad stewardship, lack of discipline. Being unwise, these are some of the causes of financial debt. But let's close with this. Let's talk about some solutions. We need to talk about solutions. How do we avoid all this? How do we avoid these problems? What solutions does God give in his word to avoid the thief of peace? Well, let me give you three things very quickly. You want to avoid this kind of lifestyle. The first thing you got to do is this. You got to know your flocks and your herds. You've got to know your flocks and your herds. Proverbs 27, verse 23, know well the condition of your flocks and pay attention to your herds. In our language today, that means that we need to know exactly what's going on with our finances. If we are afraid to investigate that, then that's a problem. We need to know what's going on with our finances. We need to know how much money we have. We need to know all of our basic numbers. We need to know how much money we make and how much money our spouse makes. We need to know what our expenses are, what our bills are, what our debts are. We need to know exactly what the Lord is blessing us with. We need to know our flocks. We need to know our herds, and then we need to manage it. We need to budget it. Budgeting requires discipline. It requires properly, properly managing what's going in and what's going out. It requires making a real budget so that we can ensure that all of our essentials are covered without us going in debt. That food needs to be covered. We got to eat every month. The lights need to be covered. The rent the mortgage, the water, the gas, the car note, my prescription medication, the field trips for my kids, my wife's anniversary and birthday because I don't want to be living outside in the doghouse, and the Lord's portion, the Lord's portion every Sunday. It needs to be first on the list. 
I need to have this stuff all down. And I also need to be wise and put aside some money every month. I don't need to be living paycheck to paycheck. I need to do my best to save a little bit. You know why? Because that washer and dryer I have right now, it's not going to last forever. That car that I use to drive 40 minutes to work every day, well, guess what? One day it's going to need some new tires. That air conditioner, especially here in Phoenix, Arizona, it's not going to last me 30 years. If I want to avoid accumulating credit card debt that will take me 100 years to pay off when these kind of things pop up, then I need to save. I need to budget. I need to go home today and get me an Excel spreadsheet or go old school like I do and just get you a blank sheet of paper and develop a common sense budget and stick with it. I got to stick with it. I got to manage my flocks and my herds. And then I got to work to eliminate the debt. The debt's got to go. I got to start working to eliminate the thief of peace. In 2022, starting right now, I need to start working to eliminate that credit card debt and that student loan debt. And that's going to require me doing some things like cutting luxuries out of my life. These luxuries got to go. Now, I need food. I got to eat. And I need water. And I need lights. And I need shelter and clothes. But you know what I don't need? I don't need direct TV. I don't need Wi-Fi. I don't need Netflix, HBO Max, Disney Plus. I don't need to be eating out four or five times a week. Those are called luxuries. Those are called wants not needs. And if I'm going to eliminate the debt, the wants got to go for a while, and I got to start thinking about the needs. I got to work to eliminate debt, and let's say I'm in and over my head right now. I'm like drowning like crazy in debt. Then here's the fourth thing I might need to do. I need to get some help. I need to get some help. I need to humble myself. I need to strip myself of pride, and I need to get some counsel from some older and wiser Christians in this room. I need to go to my shepherds and have my shepherds sit down with me. I need to buy me some good money managing books. If you want some recommendations, I'll be more than happy to give you some. There's nothing wrong with that. In Proverbs 12 and verse 15, Solomon says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. But I just want you to see, this is a big topic. Do you see that? This is a big topic. This is a big Bible topic. It's such a big topic that we may have to address some more things again in the near future. This is a topic that affects you. I don't care who you are in this room this morning. I don't care if you're rich. I don't care if you're middle class. I don't care if you're retired and you're on a fixed income. I don't care if you're dirt poor. If you don't have but two nickels to rub together, you need this teaching. You need God's counsel. You don't need to have a lot of money to be a bad steward of it. You don't need to be rich to be robbed of financial peace. This is a problem that affects, that can affect any of us. This is a problem that can affect me and it can affect you, but I'm thankful the Bible has solutions. The Bible has answers. The Bible has a lot to say about how we ought to properly handle the resources that God gives us. 
and get peace in our lives as a result, in fact, beyond having peace in our finances, God also wants us to have peace with him. In fact, that's the main reason why Jesus came to die. Jesus came to save the rich and the poor. And if you need the salvation found in Jesus Christ, we're more than than uh, happy to help you with that this morning. Whether that means baptizing you for the forgiveness of your sins, having a Bible study with you, praying with you, whatever we need to do to help you spiritually, to help you have spiritual peace this morning. And you come to the front right now. Let's stand. Let's sing together.